there's a certain generation of people that always call me by my first and last name. It's, it's a strange but consistent phenomenon. Yeah. So, Chloe, you're amazing. Uh, you should do this every week. Right? Yeah. There you go. All right, open up to the book of John. Um, nowhere too specific right now. <laughs> We're going to go through the whole of it, essentially, today. <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of uh, portions that we'll be pulling out, so if you're just in the book, you'll be within relative proximity to the, uh, the meat of this message. Um, we are continuing in our series uh, with core values. Sam began last week. Um, all of them have this kind of elemental association. His uh, element, the one that we begin with, is, is wind. And the word translated as wind in the Bible is also translated as, as breath and as spirit. And so we have this kind of comprehensive picture of uh, you know, the, the work of the spirit as he, as he blows upon us and our sensitivity to uh, the, his steering and his direction, his guiding so that we would stay on mission, but also um, uh, breath. And, and Sam led us through this, this exercise of breathing in and then uh, breathing in and then uh, breathing in and then dying. Uh, because that's what happens when you only breathe in, right? There is this necessity to breathe out, and to uh, a large degree, this is uh, something that the church is quite guilty of, um, that we're often breathing in, we're, we're often you know, just absorbing and, and, and needing and craving and begging, and it's all for me, and, and what can you offer me, and all of this, and so on and so forth. And uh, there, there is this fundamental need for us to uh, breathe out. And I, I feel like this, uh, this morning we're going to discuss what that looks like in, in practical uh, terms, what it looks like to breathe out upon the community. Because you're not literally breathing out on the community. That would be very strange uh, to just walk up to people at Albertsons and just, just and, and they wouldn't want to have anything to do with you after that, so don't do that. Right, um, but but we'll talk about you know how to use our gifts and abilities and all of that that God has put within us for His glory as we continue in this series this morning. Uh, before we do so, let's go ahead and begin our time with a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. God, thank you for this this wonderful time to be with our brothers and sisters and to sit at your feet to study your Word to see what you would have to say to each one of us individually, but also to us as a community. And I pray, God, that there would be something you know, in this time for everyone that, that we would have ears that are, that are receptive to your whispers. And, and God, that we would have hearts that are just, that are, that are postured towards movement. Lord, that we would be quick to respond to whatever it is that you would impress upon us. And Lord, so I, I thank you for this time, and I ask God that you would use it for your glory. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So Sam is not here. Uh, he sent me a message and said that on the 31st, I would be speaking on our second element, and it's the element of water. And, and uh, I, 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 was, I was glad to do so. I, I uh, am intrigued by water probably more than any of the other ones. Uh, wind is wonderful. Um, 
but I have allergies. <laughs> and I have, you know, I use glue in my hair to fight off, you know, wind. It's a mortal enemy uh, to delightful hair, which I possess. Um, so, and then fire is one of our, our next elements, and that's great. But it's like 100 degrees today, and Raymond was up here just sweating bullets, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't need fire in this place. Um, and wood, wood, I believe, is our last element. Is that right, Gil? Yeah? You don't know? You... I feel like you should know. <laughs> wood, I believe wood is our last element. And, and wood is great, you know, but then, uh, you know, there's splinters, and they're just the worst. Um, but water, I love water. I'm mostly made of it, all right? And so are you. That's a fun fact. If you don't get anything else out of this morning, you'd be like, hey, I'm mostly water. And I feel great about that. And uh, we, we, we need it and we enjoy it. I, I believe that all of us can get behind this. I remember having a conversation with a, with a gal. Uh, she was up at the house. She was on our porch and, and uh, she appeared to be parched. And, uh, and we said, hey, are you thirsty? Can we get you some water? And she said, uh, no, I hate water. It's disgusting. And, and I'll never forget, uh, Boo, a wonderful, brilliant, care bear, Boo. Um, she said, how could anyone not like water? Right? And, and she said, uh, and, and I quote, I so enraged, struck the music stand. Uh, and she said, you don't have a sophisticated palate to know that water tastes gross. You're not refined in your sensibilities. It blew my mind. <laughs> blew my mind. That is saying you don't like water is like saying you don't like air. Right? You need it. You need it to survive. Right? No one's like, I hate that air. That's terrible. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Right? And water's the same way. Water is essential for life. Right? And we're going to talk about some of these things as we bring our points together this morning. But water is essential for life in many different ways. Right? You, you, you can go uh, about three to four weeks without food. You know, for some of us, maybe a little bit longer. I feel like I could probably go a couple of months without food, and I'd be okay. Right? But water, if you go three days, you're going to die of thirst. Right? You need water to survive. So it's this basic thing that we need for life, but also it's essential for community. Community. Throughout human history, people groups have founded their societies near a constantly replenishing source of water. So these become the hinges for our talk this morning as we move through this core value of water, that it's essential for both life and it's essential for community. And I don't want to mix our metaphors this morning. I think it'll be helpful for us to get to right at what water is. And just as last week, wind was uh, the spirit, this week, water is love. Water is love. And I said this to Raymond, and Raymond was like, I don't see how water is love. Right? We're getting there. So follow along with me, because I know immediately you're like, hey, I don't, that doesn't make sense. Right? But you can trace this like a thread throughout all of human history. Right? We build cities around a water source to foster life. God created the universe around uh, love and, and breathed life into man. We dig down deep into the earth to access water to sustain life. God came down from heaven to show us love and give 
us life. We build dams to control water to ensure our life. God built the cross to unleash love, not to control it, so that everyone could enjoy life. So mingled together is this wonderful biblical picture throughout human history and scripture of water, love, and life. And let's get into our first point here. Now, in the same way that water is essential for physical life, love is essential for spiritual life. Over the last decade or so, there's been this really kind of focused effort uh, to uh, to search uh, throughout our solar system and uh, the, the the galaxy for life on other planets and moons. And I remember when I was finishing up my last astronomy class at San Bernardino, uh, the professor that I had, she was in charge of building the observatory there in the city. And she was part of this team that was leading this comprehensive study to scour the solar system for these indications of life. And she said that no matter where they would go, what they were searched for, it really all boiled down to one singular uh, point. It boiled down to this question, does the planet possess water? Does the planet possess water? In any form, solid, liquid, or gas, because if it does, then there is a, there is a chance for life. Then there may be life. Without it, life as we know it cannot exist. Right, it cannot exist. So, uh, down to our basic uh, DNA, we're, we're coded, uh, uniquely constructed with water that leads to life. And I believe that that uh, that, that uh, as fundamental as our uh, genetic coding is, our spiritual coding uh, has has made us creatures that are constructed for love. Listen, I want to I want to do something. I decided at home that I wasn't going to do it, but uh, why not? Let's let's do this thing. I want everyone to stand up. <clears throat> I'm going to stand up too, so that you don't think that I'm just lazy up here. <clears throat> and I want every other row to turn around. So we'll start with the first row. You guys can turn around. Second row, you'll stay put. Uh, it's going to be weird for you guys because you're the first row, so you guys are going to turn around. Okay. You guys can stay put. Turn around, and you can stay. You guys can turn around. You can stay. We're turning, we're staying, we're turning, we're staying all the way back, right? And this is what I want you to do. You guys, you guys are good? Oh, no. You guys can look at each other. <laughs> okay. Now, if I, I, this is what I want you to do. You should be looking right into the eyes of someone that you chose not to sit next to. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think that that's key for this, right? I think that's key for this. Um, if you're not staring into the eyes of someone that you chose not to sit next to, well, we don't live in a perfect world. Uh, so look into the eyes of someone, right? Okay, now I want you to look long and hard into those eyes, and I want you to say something, okay? Is everyone ready? That's what I want you to say. I want you to say... I want you to say I love you. <laughs> Did everyone do that? <laughs> Did everyone do that? If you did it, then you can sit down. Okay, well, I can gauge 
by your nervous laughter how that felt. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you anyways. How did, how did that feel? How did that make you feel? I love you. You always give me the like the best Sunday hugs. I just come looking for those Sunday hugs. They're awesome. Not like Alex. He's abusive with his hugs. Yeah. Not this Alex. Saldana. You give wonderful hugs. You're like a teddy bear over there. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be offended. It's a wonderful thing to give good hugs. Who would be offended by that? Okay. So, how did that make you feel? You know, I think for a lot of us, nervous laughter would imply that it made you feel a little bit weird, right? Now, why did that make you feel weird? Why did that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable? And you know what? I think that it comes right down, uh, I think it, make, it comes right down to this, that we live, uh, we live on a planet where love is scarce. We live on a planet where love is a scarce element. If it was as common as water, that would have felt as normal as drinking a glass of water. We live on this kind of desert planet. We live on, on Mars where, where love to such a high degree has evaporated through our atmosphere and slipped out into the solar system. And it's abnormal to look at someone that you intentionally chose not to sit next to this morning and say, hey, you, I'm not quite sure what your name is. I love you. I love you. Right? But, and, that, and it feels weird, and it's uncommon, it's unnatural, but it's, it's, it's incredibly biblical. And it's what I, I want us to drill down to this morning, to get at uh, bringing the church back to this central place of having this unnatural, uncommon, otherworldly element just permeating the whole of our being, spilling out into our community, filling our atmosphere once again so that this doesn't seem so strange because it shouldn't be. This, this comes from God. We're created in God's image. God has given us this, this imprint of love. And when I talk about Love. I think that we should clearly define what that is. And as it's expressed biblically, it's kind of this manifold description of who God is and what God offers. And there are a couple of good verses to write down to get it, uh, the, the root of this. Um, first of all, if you want to talk about who God is, it's 1 John 4.8. As we know that God is love. And then if you want to get at what that love looks like, what that love acts like, then it's 1 Corinthians 13, it's Galatians 5, maybe it's John 3.17. We can go through some of these things that love is, is, is wrapped up in, the, in, the, in these other characteristics of joy and peace and patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. To add to that, it's not rude. Right? It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It's, it keeps no record of evil. It, it, it isn't condemning. It's accepting. Um, and, and, and beyond all this, it's sacrificial, even to the point of asking for nothing in return. And this kind of love, love as it's defined biblically, as we uh, read of scripturally, is scarce in this world today. And so people that are born with this thirst, this craving for, for love, this imprint on us that, that seeks biblical love, end up satisfying that, 
that craving on substitutes as a result of scarcity. Um, they, they end up calling, and we end up calling things that are not water, water. We end up drinking a soda and saying, well, it's basically water. It has some water in it. We end up pounding an energy drink and saying, you know, whoa, this makes me feel great. I can take on the world with this. But it's garbage. And this is coming from a guy that lives primarily on Jack in the Box. Yeah. <laughs> it's garbage. It's like liquid candy, right? It's not... It's not water. Um, the, promiscuous sex, promiscuous sex might seem like love, but it's not love. Feeding an addiction, that moment of, of getting that gratification, might seem like love, but it's not love. Right, we 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 scour this desert planet for acceptance and forgiveness and peace and kindness, and we end up settling for all these things that are so far short. And we say, well, at least it's something. And Jesus makes the distinction in John four, and this is why you're in John. This is maybe the first payoff that you'll get for being there. John four verse thirteen. And he says, everyone that drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. There's a clear distinction between waters. There's the water that he offers, and there's the water that you can find elsewhere. Because the reality is that there is no substitute for it. Everything else does a really bad job of pretending to be love. They dilute love and they diminish both its flavor and its ability to satisfy our thirst so it ends up being bitter and leaving us empty the singular source for this kind of satisfaction is in Christ and you know what I wrote that I wrote that in my notes and and then I stared long and hard at it and I don't think anyone would take issue I don't think anyone would take issue with that this morning. I don't think anyone would come up to me after this talk and say, you know, Michael, that's, that's when you really went off the rails. You know? Actually, this, what I'm about to say, may actually be where you say, I go off the rails. But I'm going to say it anyways. I don't know that Jesus would be happy with us saying that he is the singular source for this kind of water. I really don't know that. It sounds really spiritual, but I'm not sure that it's true. I think it's actually something that we tell ourselves to feel better about what we do with, with our life and the decisions that we make. But I think it could be a huge mistake. Right? We scan the horizon of this desert planet and everything just looks dry and barren. And, you know, I think with, with the right heart, we cry out to God and we say, God, you are love. You are love. You can satisfy this need. You, you can do this. Just let them see you. And you know what? Yeah, he, he is love. 
but we're created in his image and we're called after his name. Right? And and while they may have a lot of difficulty seeing him, they have no difficulty seeing us. They have no difficulty seeing me. It's easy for them to see me. So what do they see when they see me? If you're still in John, turn to John 7, 37. John 7, 37. And Jesus, on the last and greatest day of the feast, stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. We come to him and we drink. He has what our soul craves. But it's not as if he's called us and said, just come to me and drink and be satisfied. Just come to me and drink and be happy. I'm the singular source. I'm the singular spring. He says, no, you come to me and I'm the origin maybe. And then you guys, you, every single one of you will become a stream. Every single one of you will become a source for a world that knows nothing about me, but they know everything about you. And they will see you. They will see me. They will see, they will see us. And this is our mandate. It's, it's to not just drink and be filled. It's to drink and to pour out. It's, it's not just to be loved, you know, and that's awesome, right? It's to be loved and it's to love, right? It's for us to answer that prayer because we are the answer to that prayer. That's, that's what he's doing here. That's what he's already told us. And Jesus initiated this kind of love, but we're the ones that are tasked with continuing it. And it's this singular characteristic that comes to define us. In John uh, 13, you can turn there now. See, just moving on through John. John 13, verse 35. It said, This then is how they will know you are my disciples. What is it? It's your love for one another. It's this singular characteristic, this rare element that in a world filled with soda and energy drinks and Snapple that leaves a weird residue in my mouth when I drink it and I don't care for it. He says, you guys, you guys will be a well of life-giving water. You guys will now pour out upon a parched planet. And you know what Snapple if we're talking about core values here, and I hope the people at Snapple aren't offended. They will never hear this, but <laughs> they're not offended. And if you enjoy Snapple, God bless you. Um, Snapple's going to try and mix it up in here. And I think that Jesus holds the line firm here, and he says, you guys will be defined by love. You do not allow that. And Coke's going to try and push its way in here. He's saying, no, it's love, guys. It's love. You hold the line at love. And I think that soda and I think Snapple, they're appealing because they repackage water. They repackage who we are as water. They repackage our identity as love, right? But you notice that whenever we repackage ourselves with any sort of you know, a divergent theological context, it begins to chip away immediately at love. 
I was just having a conversation with my brother and sister in the children's ministry, and they were saying that, that a family member has been caught up in this group that teaches that they're the only way to heaven, and if you want to go to heaven, you need to be a part of their group. Well, nothing could be further from love and biblical love. It's for everyone. It's for all of us. And I was just talking uh, with, well, I'll actually give a name on this one because it's, it's, well, why not? He does it with me all the time. I was talking with Sam. And Sam said that there was a posting on Facebook. There's always a posting on Facebook. It's, it's terrible. You've got to ignore the whole system. And, and, and he said that, that, that this group of people is coming against us as a community. And maybe that's why Sam was ranting about us not being a cult so much last week. But this group of people is, is saying that, you know, some people are just born. They're predestined to live and die and go to hell. And God has created them specifically for hell. And this is the theological bent that they're, give, they're lending themselves to. Well, nothing could be further from love. Nothing could be further from the character of the God that I know and read about in Scripture. This is our identity. All that other stuff is Snapple. All that other stuff is soda. It's repackaging our identity. And don't get caught up in it. I think that Jesus would walk through so many of our churches and tear down the bizarre wording that we add to ourselves. Well, we're a Reformed church. Well, we're a First Methodist church. Well, where's the Second Methodist church? I don't know where it's at. And, and he would tear so many books off our shelves and say, listen, it's just love, guys. It's just love. You don't need to complicate it. You don't need to go over and above it. It's just love. It's just love. That's all that matters. It's love plus nothing. It's not your church attendance. It's not your t-shirts. It's not your cross necklaces. It's the stickers you put on your car. It's not the prayers that you pray. I'll come closer to home. It's not the Bible that you carry. It's not the Bible that you study. It's not the Bible that you memorized. The Pharisees did all this and he called them hypocrites. You can do all of that and completely miss the point. And the point he's already given to us, it's love. And Jesus said, you need to be right on this one. You need to be right on this one because this, this is what God is. God is love. And this is what the world needs. The world needs love. There are a million things that won't satisfy. This is the one thing. Guys, this is the one thing that will. And let's not be abstract about this. Let's get right down to what this love looks like. This is the kind of love that forced deity to put on humanity and step out of the glory of heaven to walk on a desert planet amongst us. This is the kind of love that caused him to daily endure unlovable, angry, venomous people with petty problems. This is the kind of love that that takes the lashings, that takes the jeerings, that takes the abuse from the very people that he created. He formed the hands that beat him the day of his crucifixion. He formed the hands that would hold the hammer and the nails that would drive through his wrists. It's that kind of love. It's the kind of love that gives until it hurts. It's the kind of love that keeps in mind 
the desired end of another and holds that as more important than the immediate consequences to self. And he says they will know you by your love. He means that love. That's the love. That's what you guys do. Because that's me. And that's what I do. And if you want to be a people called after my name, this will be the type of people that you are. I sat down to write um, this message, and at this point, it was about two in the morning. You know, Sam gave me a month's notice on this one. But it always comes down to two in the morning. And I was staring at the cursor flashing off and on on my computer. And I just kept on thinking, I want to live in a world where this type of love isn't weird. I I want Miles and our new baby boy to grow up in that world. I want them to grow up in a world where there is no scarcity, where where they're surrounded by the kind of fruit that blooms naturally because it's watered from this type of water. But you know what? That, that begins here. It doesn't begin anywhere else. It doesn't begin with anyone else. It begins here begins with us. It begins with me. It begins with you. It begins with us recognizing ourselves as an oasis, that we were always called to be an oasis, that it begins with us being unified under this banner of love and not settling for any substitutes. It, it begins with us being aggressively and intentionally pure, and not allowing our focus to deviate. Just remaining consistent with love. And because love is essential for community, our community has chosen to anchor itself with love. John 15, I think is the last reference I'll give you in John In John 15, Jesus says, keep yourself in the love of God. And the question that we have is why? I've heard all sorts of weird teachings on that. Keep yourself in the love of God. And people love to go off on bizarre directions in that one. We need to keep ourselves in the love of God because if he's the origin for this sort of water, then we need to keep ourselves there so that we can constantly be dispensing that water to a world that needs to experience it. You know, um, we've been uh, at refuge going to the, the skate park a lot, and I was going there every Sunday uh, for a while. Um, I'd like to start that up again, but there's, there's an issue with it. Um, but we, we've been going there, and last time we went there was a couple of Thursdays ago, and <clears throat> I was bringing in the pizza with Zach 
and uh, we went to Rita Pizza and got that like giant, you know, obscene party pizza that's more grease than it is cheese, but people seem to enjoy it. And uh, we were walking in with it, <clears throat> and there was this older kid. He was about uh, 21 or 22. And he was just covered in sweat and dirt. He's wearing this torn, kind of tattered shirt. And um, I said, uh, hey, no, uh, there's going to be pizza over there. We're bringing it in now. Uh, get set up with beverages and everything else. Uh, help yourself. Tell everyone else. And, and he looked at me hesitantly. And, and he said, for everyone? And I said, yeah. And he said, even I can have some? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and I had Miles with me. Um, so the entire night I was in and out of the skate park and we were kind of walking around the perimeter. But I ran into this kid about three more times that night. Um, he came up to me once and he said, hey, you know, I, I asked the lady in the corner if I could have a soda. Is that okay? And I said, yeah, of course it is, man. Hey, help yourself. Have as many as you like. <clears throat> and he came up to me again later and he said, one of your friends, um, a girl, uh, she gave me a t-shirt and she said that, that I can keep it. Are you sure I can keep this? And I said, yeah, sure. And you really need it, too, dude. You know, you are, you're gross. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, that's, that shirt is from a band that played um, at, our, at our group meetings on Thursday nights. They played a couple of months ago. And those guys are actually here tonight because they wanted to, they wanted to meet you guys. They wanted to see you all skate. And he stared at me and he said, they came here for us. They want to see us skate. And, and I said, yeah. And, and I, I've begun to see that man's face a million times every day since then with this constant refrain. Are you saying for everyone? Even I can be a part of this. I can... I can take this. Listen, this this is the point of our community. This is the point of what Christ desires to do in our midst and giving us this identity to break this sort of scarcity where no one will ever have to ask a question like that again, where no one will ever have to feel like they're outside again, where streams cut right through the desert and go directly to them. Because it, that's the way it should be. That's the way God has designed us to be. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up in a moment, but i, I got to get to... Um, the application of all this. If I don't, Sam will yell at me and I'm afraid of him. <clears throat> Listen, this is our core value. This is one of our core values. So what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Um, you know, you guys are the most gnarly creative people I've ever encountered in my entire life. 
Um, and and that's, that's really the truth of it. I, last time I spoke, I talked about the skate park again. And I said that I was going out there to work with uh, Anthony. He's, he was my GED student. <coughs> and I said that there was another student, another Anthony, that passed by us and said that he needed to work on algebra. And I said, hey, you know what? It'd be great if someone else went out there to help um, second Anthony uh, with algebra. And, um, you know, that day, immediately after that message, uh, two people were there to do just that. And second Anthony didn't even show up. <laughs> but you guys were there to, to be there for this person. Uh, I looked around at the skate park that day and I saw Lawrence and Eileen uh, walking from one homeless person to another homeless person having conversations with them, bringing them food. We were there a couple of weeks ago, as I said, and it was a 30-30, so everyone in the church was invited. Um, Lloyd came with Daniel, and they brought all their gear, and they took photos of the kids as they were skating. And, you know, most of those kids are at the park from the time that it opens until the time that it closes. And... Um, their parents are at work or they're strung out on drugs and that's the closest thing that they have to family, right? And you have no idea how many of those kids came up to me. They came up to Jamie, they came up to Corinne, they came up to us and they said, you know, my mom, my dad has never seen me skate. They don't care. They call me a loser. This is the only thing that I'm good at you guys and you guys are here you guys are here just taking photos of it and and capturing it and nobody values these people they just ignore them we really only notice them when they're doing things like you know getting drunk or smoking weed and at that point most people only notice them to condemn them uh, lloyd took pictures of them and these kids felt important for the first time in their lives. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that feeling. What do we do with love? Right? What do we do with love? Here's the point. I think it's whatever we can. You know, when I was 17, my, my best friend at the time, he came up to me and he said, you know, Michael, I'm going to be out of town this Sunday, and I need someone to fill in for me. And it was the first time I ever spoke in front of a group of people. And I was absolutely terrified. But I did it. Because in my mind, right, and maybe your mind works better than mine, um, but my, in my mind I thought, man, I have no argument against this because I totally have a voice. <laughs> so speaking in front of people, I kind of have to do that, I imagine. Um, and so I did it. And every single time I've done it, I felt terrible. <laughs> I've never felt like this is something that I'm good at. But it's something that I do because I can. Right? Irene, or Eileen and Lawrence, they brought food to the people at the park that day because they can 
And Lloyd and Daniel, they took photos of those kids skating because they can. Right? And Joe and Travis, they went to teach algebra because they can. They can do a lot more than that, but they can do at least that. God has fashioned each and every one of us differently. Differently, so that we we can be a stream flowing from this community in a unique trajectory. What do you do with love? Whatever you can do with love, because each one of us can do something different. I, I think that we, we complicate it, and we think that it has to be something you know, vast and beautiful and elaborate and hyper-spiritual. It doesn't. Those kids at the park tasted love for the first time in their lives through a photograph. Lloyd did that. You did that. And Daniel did that to a lesser extent. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Daniel. I value you. <laughs> you guys did that. Right? Why are they getting drunk and why are they smoking weed? Because I think that that's what we look at and we go, oh, they're just... It's just stoners. These kids, they're just gangbangers. These kids, they're just in and out of prison. These kids, that's all they've been able to taste on this planet. They've never been offered water. You guys offered them water. You did that. You did that. We, we can do that. We can cut a stream, or I can cut a stream that passes by the skate park to reach those kids. Ray can cut a stream that passes by the Marine Corps to reach the Marine Corps. You can cut a stream that passes by Starbucks to reach people at Starbucks. It's an enviable stream. Maybe another one of you, maybe you cut a stream that passes by the hospital, and it's a difficult stream. Each one of us setting out on a different course because this is what it looks like to be an oasis on a desert planet. It doesn't look like we just stay here and permeate righteousness. It looks like we pour out of here and reach a world that is fundamentally parched because that's who we're called to be. We're called to be love. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning, God, this opportunity that you've given us. I pray, God, that all of us would leave here with realigned focus, you know, overwhelming scarcity in a world that knows nothing of your love. Lord, it's one thing to pray that they'll see you. It's another thing to step out and say, well, they can see you through me. They can see your love. They can see your peace, your acceptance, your patience, your kindness, your goodness. Lord, they can see all that is you through us because we are called to be love. Lord, I thank you for this morning. Pray, God, that, Lord, you would impress upon our hearts, that you would inspire us and lead us.
be love wherever we go, creatively, uniquely, perfectly. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.